I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the movie Cats Don't Dance. Uh, But before we get into that, a few show notes. Uh, Firstly, uh, Valerie and I have been sick for the last week, um, and you might be able to hear it in our voices. So sorry about that. We feel better. Yeah, we don't feel bad. It just still got some phlegm in the throat and such. Uh, And second, you might have noticed if you've been listening to recent episodes that the uh, skip to on the spoiler alert is gone. And that is a permanent thing because of the way that Spotify works now. I just can't really do um, that. I can't be sure of the length of the advertisements and stuff anymore. Um, It just kind of isn't working. So um, I will be putting in the text on the episode uh how long the spoiler section is so if you want to do some math you can skip um but it'll it'll be up to you i don't have a timestamp to skip to anymore that out of the way who would like to give a spoiler free plot synopsis of catstone dance i'll try our main character danny is leaving his hometown of kokomo to go to hollywood to chase his dream he has a list of what he wants to do and first he's got to get an agent. So uh, he sings his way there and unbeknownst to him, makes it a little harder for uh, another cat Sawyer's morning commute. Uh, (laughs) And he busts into the agent studio is very gregarious and extroverted to the other jaded uh, animal actors, actors. Yes. So um, a very nice, uh, Hippo Tilly uh, tells him what he needs to do to introduce himself to the uh, head agent there. So he goes in and, you know, thankfully there is a part that is being cast for uh, a movie about uh, the uh, arc, uh, but a little angel. A little angel arc. Yeah, a little angel arc. So with the head, uh, with the main actress, of course, being the Darla Dimple a uh, lover of children and cats, America's sweetheart, who, you know, we will meet. And, and yeah, so Danny and also meet Sawyer at that point in the uh, agent studio, who Sawyer is uh, the secretary there, a jade, another kind of jaded character. Uh, they all, the characters that we saw are all in this arc movie. He tries to jazz it up and, overshadow not like intentionally try to overshadow dollar darla dimple but to show that he has talent darla dimple uh is actually we learn very uh bratty and spoiled and self-centered kicks him out we see that she has a servant max who is this big giant guy um (laughs) he's so big that he's like inhuman and and yeah so this movie is about uh, Danny trying to chase his dream, but getting pushed down by the the system and what other people think of not just him, but of just general animals in entertainment at all. And yeah, and, and so he chases his dream and maybe he drags a few people along the way as well to chase their own. Yeah, uh, it's a metaphor. <laughs> 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 what do we think of this movie? I own this movie i watched it a lot uh i loved it i still do it i it's still very entertaining to me i don't think i've ever 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 seen this movie before it was cute it was it was kind of the uh it carried me along kind of like well it gave me the vibe of muppets like muppets go to hollywood muppets you know making movies type thing where again they all you know band together to you know to to all have their little dreams come true. So, so yeah, so it was cute. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. Um, this, most of the songs in this movie are like permanently ingrained in my brain at this point. Um, I listen <laughs> to the soundtrack a lot. Aww. Um, and yeah, it's just a delight visually to watch. The animation is wonderful and pretty unlike a lot of the animation of the era in terms of like its sensibilities, I would say. And it's just, it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. 
Let's get specific. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys straight up that this film was a box office bomb, grossing $3.5 million domestically against its $32 million production budget. Wow. Uh, Does it have like a, oh, this opened across like some I don't have that movie. exactly, but uh, director Dendel and uh, Kirshner told the Los Angeles Times that they were both frustrated with Warner Brothers over the lack of advertising and the failed marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding is basically that it was a movie created by Turner Animation, the only one they made because then they got folded into Warner Brothers after a purchase and Warner Brothers just did not care about this at all. And so they did not promote it and it didn't do well. Yeah, that's what I, I saw the Turner Animation and I'm like, did they make any other movies? They sure they sure didn't. Uh, you guys want to hear some about their production of this movie? Uh, sure. Hopefully it doesn't make me sad. The film was launched in 1993 as a vehicle for Michael Jackson, who would produce, star, and be a consultant in the music and choreography. He would It would have been a hybrid live-action-slash-CGI film. Oh However, by 1994, Jackson had ceased to be involved in the film. In its earlier stages, the film was about anthropomorphic stray cats that live among the sets and studio backlots. The Turner Animation Writing Department added cat characters based on stories about the filming of Warner Brothers Studios productions like Casablanca, East of Eden, and The Music Man. Stagehands would feed feral cats, which dominated the backlot for decades. Uh, management at Turner Feature Animation changed repeatedly during the film's production, and each head that came in attempted to t- take drastic revisions, including updating the setting to the 1950s rock and roll era. It's pretty hard to try and keep what you have finished so far and then suddenly transition into a different period of time or introduce a different character or have a completely different ending that doesn't seem to fit the beginning you have, said Ugh. director Dundall. Uh So yeah, this it had... I think uh, given some of the production issues that it had behind the scenes, um, it turned out really well. <laughs> uh, but it also doesn't feel like a thing that it was barely cobbled. It doesn't feel like it's barely holding together. Like no, it does feel no. like they managed to tell the story that they wanted. Yeah, it felt concise. It yeah, it felt good. It didn't feel like you said cobbled together. Yeah, and it had a lot stronger threads than many of the things that we've been watching. So. Truth. Yeah. So I that just came as a surprise to me because I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Honestly, the maybe one of the the weaker things to me was the kind of storybook opening that didn't seem to yeah. fit the rest of the film to me. But yeah, because it never it never really comes back in any way that sort of framing device or anything. Right. Like what you would expect to happen is that book closing somehow at the end of the film or that narrator to come back or something like that. And it doesn't. So if if you were new to the film, I, I could get if you, if you didn't like that or, or something, but I'm used to it. And my apparent uh, solving that was not remembering that it had a storybook <laughs> opening and that the yeah, end is it's just... pretty easy to forget. That <laughs> yeah. the end is perfect as is, which I think so. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that, the story and characters that are introduced with that little storybook opening. Yeah, I mean, you have... Uh... Danny and Darla are the ones that are being introduced. I thought that was interesting and showing... Uh, Wanting to compare them. Yeah, yeah. Contrast them, rather. Mm. Yeah, Dar- I-, I have lots of uh, subsequent kind of Darla questions after watching this. Um, uh, based on what happens to her at the end. It's like, how old is she? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> she feels like six or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's she's clearly um, a part, partly a parody of Shirley Temple. Yes, yes, yeah. But it's like, yeah, what she speaks about, like, like a line is like, I wouldn't be where I am today yeah. as if she's like struggling for years in this industry, and it's like, okay, are you fourteen, and they make you look really young? Are you are you actually six? Like, what's going on here? I don't know. But it's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the film. It's just... Uh, just a question. Yes. So, so, yeah, you learn about Danny and Darla. Darla is just a perfect villain. She's so good. <laughs> She's just so <laughs> manic and over the top and evil. And uh, the voice... Yeah. Oh, I won't call That's later, but she's perfect. 
Uh, Danny's our, our nice, uh, plucky protagonist, uh, who I, I love that he's got his plan that for like becoming a big star in Hollywood that he thinks he's going to accomplish over the course of like a week. Uh, (laughs) he's just super, he's super optimistic, you know? And even after, uh, getting pounded into the ground by Max, he's still like, well, this set me back, I don't know, like a day, a day and a half, but I'm still going to do it. No, even he was like, he was like a day and he's like, well, maybe half a day. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, Darla was so evil. She was such a stinker. What do you, uh, I like, uh, Pudge. Uh, little Peebo oh, Pudgemeyer is his name, apparently. Yeah, is, is he the name. little penguin? Yeah. And, and his little wings, like, having no little hands? I don't know why that just got me so much. It just made it so sad, because it was just like, he's just this little guy. Yeah, and again, <laughs> how, guy. how old is he? He's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who can say? 16 or something. <laughs> Who can but say? He, or, or, again, maybe 10. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think we see any other penguins, so we can't, like, compare, you know? Yeah, no, he's... He's very cute. Was the turtle... Wait, turtle. Was the turtle Don Knotts? Yes. Oh, okay. I was going to yes, say... Yes, the turtle is voiced sounded, by Don Knotts. Okay, I thought that sounded like his voice. Okay. He didn't do the singing part, obviously. Yeah. But. But, okay, okay. And who was the fish? Is that anyone I know? She was great. And I'm trying to think, what kind of fish was Betty she? Betty Lou Gerson. Okay, that just doesn't totally ring a bell. But but what kind of fish was she? What do you uh, think? Her name is Frances Albacore. Oh, okay. Okay. She's just so great. She was so great. And I don't know if you want to bring up some, but, but it shows a backdrop. She was called on the phone and then she has this group of friends at the table. And do you want to say what, what note, what, what did Valerie we, say? Val- Valerie was like, oh, I want to know more about them. And then I went, like, went back and paused on this. It doesn't show them for very long, but we got a good look at them. And Valerie was like, look at them. They've all murdered at least one of their husbands. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was very funny. It was great. But yeah, and then the, y'all said the, the character with Max, he was, like Valerie alluded to earlier, just like a... a superhuman size like gargantuan and he had almost the lookings of his face and when you looked up close of like frankenstein so very very intimidating yeah, he's imposing. he's the muscle that darla doesn't have because she's tiny yeah but it but it was great when the um when the number that that danny was singing and and that overshadowed darla um no wait i take that back they were doing another number they were doing something um oh they were all i think out in the Alley or doing, they were yeah. they were doing a jazzy song. But anyway, Max is saying there's this huge imposing figure, but the bottom half of them, like you know, you do a lot of times they do with exaggerated male characters. They have this these huge shoulders and huge chest and frame, and it goes down to like a teeny waist and 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 smaller and thinner legs. But anyway, his the, so the bottom half of him just starts doing you know starts, starts more and more just dancing bit. and moving. It was it was cute. Fun fact about Max is that he's voiced by the director, Mark Dendel, uh-huh. um, and his portrayal of Max was initially a scratch track and not intended to be heard on the film. He wanted to hire a professional actor for the character, but the film started running out of money, so he just kept his own vocals in. Oh, and honestly, yeah. his vo- his vocals on this are iconic. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Little kitty. Like the way he does it's just it's perfect. He do, he matches the lip movement so well and it and it's good. He does a great job. Oh, I also loved wasn't her Till, Tilly. Tilly. She, she was such a good character. I like where one time she she'd be like in the background or she'd be listening to stuff. You know, she she's kinda eavesdropping and so she's very much the romantic and she's all about yes. love and she definitely ships um, the two, you know, Sawyer the, and Danny. Yes. And then, so I think it was when Danny, you know, you think he leaves or something, he's coming back or she was, I don't know, maybe it was Sawyer and Danny that she, she was watching, but she's leaning against a building. And so it just, she kind of moves it off its foundation and you then, you know, and then she gets caught, you know, kind of being there and then she just kind of moves it back. Just a lot of cute things. But she is, she's there to kind of just save the day, cheer them on. Even she would say, you know, we talked about the characters other than Danny being jaded, but she was one of the ones that I think are the, she somehow has kept her optimism or just her neat personality, even, even in the jaded circumstance there that they have found themselves in as, you know, Hollywood actors that are, 
mistreated and not appreciated. Yeah, I think with her, she she has an initial optimism, but she is easily swayed by the opinions of everyone else. So there was a couple of scenes where she, after Danny embellishes his performance of the uh, little boat on the sea, they're kind of making fun of him. And she's like, oh, you know, don't do that. And she's like, oh, but he w- it was more like, and she starts kind of doing a dance to mimic it. Uh, and then whenever the uh, crew is mad at Danny for what happened. Uh, Darla sabotages them. And part of it was that Danny listened to her and thought he was going to help her. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, you know, piles onto him as well as, you know, how could he think that or whatever? He's not there, but she is like, yeah, she like calls him some silly name that she made up because she can't actually say curse words. Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, which, you know, I, I, I like as the, reflecting the different characters it's like yes you can still have people who are generally positive and hopeful but it's hard to keep that when everything else and everybody else you know sees reality in a sense but yeah but not danny yeah not danny (laughs) he's he's the new boy and he's not he's not sad about the world (laughs) Oh, another, sorry, another voice acting thing I have is that uh, Pudge uh, is voiced by Matthew Harried, um, and Harried was cast after he asked the animators for directions at a cafe, and they just instantly thought he was perfect for the role. So, <laughs> uh, from what I can tell, he hasn't really done anything else, just this, no, but he, he does cute. a great job. Yeah. Is Pudge the little penguin? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, and Flanagan, the film director, is uh, voiced by Renee Aber. Aperjones? I'm not entirely sure how to say his last name, but Odo from DS9. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Among many other things, obviously, but I'm always going to think of Odo. Yes, not a ton of lines, but uh, but done well. Yeah, yeah. The, the dialogue overall of this movie moves very quick, which is interesting. It has kind of a, a pace about most of it that is quicker than a lot of its contemporaries, I think, or even modern stuff. And I think part of that is, you know, reflecting yes. like the 1930s quick, quick uh, dialogue that they, that they had and stuff. Classic Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so. Let, we got to talk some uh, about the animation because I mean, there's, how, the, where there's so much animation to talk about and it informs, it informs character so much too, which is a big part like Sawyer is such a fun character. And I, I guess one of the things I love about this movie is that both Sawyer and Darla Dimple are female characters that get to be used in slapstick and like comedic things that they, that, you know, in old cartoons, you just didn't really see women used in that way. But it's really nice seeing them basically like, like Sawyer will literally get a door in her face or that thing where she's like holding on to the um, ladder and it falls down and she's like poofed up, terrified looking cat. She just has some like fun, silly animation. Yeah. The door closed on her tail. Yes. Yes. I love how her tail moves just generally. It's, it seems like they know where it is and it's like intentional. Um, And then Darla is just uh, the animation on her, her initial freak out after getting upstaged it's so fantastic. Like her, her face is so elastic and just like moves in these like absurd ways. Yeah, they're not. But af- she seems so unhinged. Yeah. And it's wonderful. They're not afraid to just like really use her all, all of her face, her yeah. eyes, and the, the, and pupils. to just push it into like completely cartoony proportions. That is not like they'll make her be off model basically to to sell an expression. It's great. And the, like, shadows, her bow, it'll be horns sometimes. Like, you can... Ugh, she's uh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And then Max's entrance, uh, the angles and the lighting of it, just like emphasizing his absurd hugeness and broadness and like the 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 blood red behind him because the, he's a terrifying being, you know? Yes. When, uh, when he leaves, he like, <laughs> he steps into uh, the, the hole, hole he that made. he made it like puts a light around him and then blacks out and then like poof he's gone and then yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh 
I was going to say, it's so funny. I was thinking about that same thing because unlike many other iterations, you know, we just, one of the recent ones we saw was, um, was Pete's dragon and, and like, you know, you know, the dragon running in, in one wall and out the other, but, but yeah. So when Max came in and made that silhouette, you know, that, that whole of himself, I was expecting him to maybe crash back out. But like you said, he just, it was almost like he, he, it even almost like someone walking into the sunset too. Like you were saying, it's like he, he started as he was getting closer to that hole that he had made. Um, he, he got a little bit smaller, but like you said, then almost was sucked into, uh, it was just perfect. Yeah. And, and it's impossible also, also to talk about that scene without mentioning the music by composer Steve Goldstein that just like the the like choir and like kind of thumping like music that plays as as Max like just stomps through I think also part of what makes Max's uh animation work so well is the really like sharp deliberate movements that he kind of has sometimes especially when he like reaches out and grabs things it's just like so he like it's emphasized. It's contrasted with the kind of slow plodding walking that he does, but then his actions are like so quick and sharp and like stop and are just. Uh, it's animated so well to make yes. him have this like obscene sense of like power and that's presence. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. I really liked the the use of some of the di- dynamic scenes that that we see once in reference or sometimes in reference to him because he is so big they i guess i mean they use cg and stuff i'm assuming for the uh the how the the things move kind of around him and within a space rather than kind of the side to side like sometimes yeah yeah there's definitely cg use in here one of the main ones i know about is the piano that um, the elephant guy's playing as as the camera like pans around it. It's it's yes. CG and stuff. There's definitely stuff. Yeah, they, but yeah, there, there's dynamic. There's they make good use of dynamic camera movements to show and that movement within a space. Yeah. Uh, and then another in the arc scene when the uh, boat's going through with the water and stuff like that. I can only assume. I think the buildings. To the side are probably CG. Maybe, yeah. But, I confess I was not looking at them much. But because of the style of the film, the buildings are able to be not as detailed, but within the, again, the style of the film and not look, not look out of place. Everything was integrated really well. And I think it, I think a big part was the style that they chose. And it was just quality. Like, I don't think they... It didn't look like they cut corners there. Yeah. They might have, but it all looked good. No, I think all the I think the CG in here, if you're looking for it, you can find it. But if you're not even thinking about that, I wouldn't be surprised if you just straight up wouldn't ever notice that there's CG in this movie. Oh, I really like the scenery that the bus drive drove through at the beginning of the movie too. I especially love that shot with the like tornado. But it was just fun. It would have this bus on like this flat plane going a lot of times and then it would go on different beautiful sceneries and stuff and it would do some different angles and stuff too but yeah. it was really nice i'd forgot i'd completely forgotten about that as as an opening but it's really nice his journey to hollywood yeah no and they show a lot of like uh the some names are on are etched into a tree yeah yeah and it's lit up as the bus goes by but then it drives by and the light goes out and like yeah, like the ma- masterfully like pulling your eyes to things yeah. and, and stuff like that very cool. I also really loved much later in the film when they're doing the Animal Jam Session song, the use of color saturation uh, throughout that whole scene uh, for the song and then also a little bit after. But basically using color saturation to represent how uh, jaded or whatever a character is, you know, and then it's once they're like pulled into this this song and this fun energy that Danny's bringing, then they become much more saturated and colorful, you know, um, and and Sawyer especially will like go back and forth uh, really sharply, which is is fun. Some some kind of more gradually go into the colors, and some flash back and forth. Mostly Sawyer because she's yeah. so conflicted. Yes. Um but no, just a really fun use of color to convey emotion and and what's going on in the scene on just a visual level. Yeah, a visual like metaphor. Mhm. And it what you know for someone who hasn't seen it, it was just 
it was just beautiful. You know, you're talking about all these effects, but it was just, it was just quality looking. I, I don't remember really ever an instance, and I don't know if you guys did um, or saw anything, but of, of any of the faces or any of the characters being seeming like uh, off model, no matter what kind of angle they did. And then the color and the well, color I th- situation I think the was thing beautiful. Is not that they don't go, go off model, but that they go off model with purpose. Yes, intentionally. Exactly. Yeah. I just mean, it wasn't like, oh, that looks whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it was, yeah, it, it would enhance. So like, especially mm-hmm. when Darla, Darla. Would, would turn manic and whatever it was just like yeah. it was it made it more intense and more um intimidating and like like oh my gosh you know what's about to happen yeah i think i think it's fascinating because stylistically this movie moves away from disney and much more to like Looney Tunes, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. it feels more like Warner Brothers, like what Animaniacs and stuff was doing exactly. with character design and and just the the philosophy behind the animation is just so much more cartoony than most animated features tend to be. You know, most follow that kind of Disney mold, and this one just doesn't, but then it did so poorly that no one else has done it, you know? Yeah, it's a shame. I really also loved the the movement like so yeah they're in a classic hollywood time frame with uh singing and dancing and sawyer is like this really good dancer and so they have her in the they have her in the jam session scene you get you you start to be able to see that and they her her moves look really good and the uh i think the style of dance is is you know of the time as well like uh i i don't i don't know names for types of dances but but yeah like i'll have more to say about it yeah so so yeah like that they capture that all really well and my last uh, note that's specifically animation is that the visuals during uh big and loud uh the second part especially are just so wonderfully like abstract and menacing really like perfectly exhibits the menace that she has for these characters, <laughs> like how, how much she wants to obliterate them. Um, and, and also I think, I think it like kind of visually represents really well, the actual power difference between them in terms of like their status in this society, you know, it's, it's great. It's wonderful to look at. I also have this note about, uh, when, uh, Danny and Pudge, go to uh Wooly's that's his name right? I think so. Wooly's house and he's making tea. But like he, watching him as a character, his his trunk is moving like a hand a lot or or uh emphasizing what he's speaking and doing little things. That's very fun. Um and, I, and a nice I, detail. I love when they like use the things that are unique to animals to help express rather than only using what humans have, the face. Like yeah, I, I love that kind of thing. And there was lots of fun uh, visual gags with uh, Francis. Uh, I think she sprayed herself with water like once when she... She's like, I'm she's, thirsty, and then just like threw water in her face. Yeah, she's smoking, but then she like blows bubbles at some point. Uh, she was sitting in a bucket of water yeah, at one point. Yeah, she was sitting in a bucket. I think that was my favorite. <laughs> While they were, she was just lounging in it. Because they were like in a diner or something, but she's just in a bucket of yes, water. Yes, so funny. I just catching all those little things that they did with her was delightful. As far as the um, if this was live action thing, I again I think moving more towards a uh, cartoony Warner Brothers kind of aesthetic makes that feel even harder to sell because yeah. it's so leaning into the the silliness and over the topness that only cartoons can do in the way that they do it um rather than realism that it's just it's just a fool's errand it's a thing about a bunch of animals acting in cartoony ways and even the humans in it are like so cartoony and over the top in yeah. everything they do it's just like you like you said before darla is very cartoony yeah i would hate to lose so much of what makes her great. Yeah, like, I'm sure an actor, a live actor could could have a great performance, but it's never going to be what this is because 
they can have her act so inhuman. Yeah. They can, uh, like, you can draw whatever you want with a pencil, you know? Like, you can really make her look like whatever, and they really do. Yes. They really go so over the top with her in just the most delightful ways. Yes, it's like, yeah, she has a bow on her head, but right now the bow is really sharp and angled so that in the shadow she looks like a little devil. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, I think it even, like, had her... Her bow, you know, again, turn into the horns, but it was almost like circular, you know, like if you were going to make a yeah. heart. Yeah, yeah. But then the points and the, yeah, it was really good because and, and even if you even think about it, it was it was that great mix. She's supposed she's pretending to be a little angel, but she's really a little yeah, devil. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. so making the Yeah, it was just perfect symbolism. Let's talk some about sound design. Uh, So producers David Kirshner and Paul uh, Gertz decided to have dance numbers in the vein of classical music films like Singing in the Rain in the movie. Kirshner felt the style would appeal to a wide audience. We'll never know. It's just Uh, so sad. I know. Uh, The film's musical numbers were written by Randy Newman um, and includes the contributions of Gene Kelly as choreographer before his death in 1996. The film was uh, Kelly's final film project and is dedicated to his memory. So, yes, that's why the dancing and stuff is good is because literally Gene Kelly was like involved in helping it look good shame on warner brothers shame on them for not promoting this film seriously truly it's just great um with the music i love our time has come so much when it starts playing at the beginning i'm just like singing along because (laughs) i love that song so much um i i the the underscore is so good and i wish i had like a fully complete version of it i i have a pretty good version of it but um steve goldstein just does a really good job um and one of the more subtle things that i noticed was an instrumental version of sawyer's song tell me lies was playing in the background during the scene where they're talking about her and other people's dreams being broken and stuff yes yeah yeah like you can if you know the song you can like hear that that's what's playing there and it's it's good like it makes a lot of sense because they're, they talk some explicitly about her, but even the point where I noticed it, they weren't even talking about just her anymore. But it's so, the the topic of the conversation is so integral to her character that it makes so much sense to have that. Like, she's yeah, almost... That's it, motif. Yeah, it almost makes her motif the motif of sorrow and hopelessness because that's where she's at at that point, you know? It's good. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I love basically every song in this movie. They're all sung really well um, by by the various performers. Yeah, and they're Scott all, Bakula's really good. He is. Uh, Randy Newman also is just good at making songs sometimes. I say sometimes because sometimes some of the movies he's made songs in I haven't liked as much. But <laughs> they're, all, they're all hitting for me here. Um, is there any other voice actors or actresses that um, that I would know? Uh, Catherine Jimmy is Tilly. She was in, I believe, Sister Act, but uh, definitely Hocus Pocus. Okay. One and, of the sisters. And I don't know if that we explicitly said, like, to where you would recognize, but uh, Danny is Scott Bakula. You know Scott Bakula, right? That doesn't ring a bell. Uh, Quantum Leap is the one that I Oh, know. okay, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. The main okay. guy on Quantum Leap. Okay. And the worst Star Trek captain. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, and I don't, I don't know her, but just FYI, Darla Dimple's voiced by Ashley Peldon, who does a great job. And, uh, Lindsay Ridgeway does her singing voice. And I think they, I think they do a good job of sounding like they could come from the same person. So. Yeah. I think that integration is just perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I know we've said this, but I I almost don't feel like it can be said enough. But but the singing on this is just really top quality. I mean, just excellent. And and that's I think one of the things that was so enjoyable about the the uh, maniacal you know first that song with with Darla Dimples big and loud. Yeah, because it was so loud, but just strong, clear you know vocals. With all of this great, and then her expression at different times being becoming so more and more manic. It was great. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? Um, I think one of the main things for me is just that there is, there's a, a, a lot of 
kind of fat joke stuff in here. It's not like as explicit as some things, but like uh, Tilly and Wooly are big animals. And so they emphasize the bigness with like buildings being moved and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're being made fun of, but it's also like, on the other hand, not a joke that you would make with a thin character. So yeah, you know, um, and they do it to some extent with Max too. I mean, literally as he walks, but that, I mean, but but they incorporate that into the intimidation. I understand, but yeah. One thing that I, I was thinking about. So a big part of this story is that animals don't belong in Hollywood is the prevailing belief. And kind of these, these animals are, are kind of, have to work within that and, and Danny is pushing pushing back on that. Coming into it, I was thinking about it as kind of that, that metaphor for oppression and stuff like that. I don't know. I think as, as a metaphor, it, it doesn't hold up, but it doesn't feel like it is is heavy-handed with it. So I don't think, personally, I don't think it drags the film down, but I can see if somebody like didn't doesn't like that as a, as a storytelling mechanism. Yeah, it's definitely not something that can really one-to-one be slotted to actual oppression. Um, and it's also like, you know, the sort of story of oppression where it's overcome by giving a great performance and the, pe- and the people in power decide that that's good enough, yeah. which is like not how that works, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a cute movie, so it doesn't really bother me. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't... The oppression metaphor doesn't really, like, stand in the real world in any meaningful way. Not at all. But, yeah, I, I think... I don't think it's it's trying to emphasize itself that way. I think... I, I don't know. Like, I guess it knows what it's doing, but, it, again, it doesn't feel heavy-handed. Yeah, it's kind of just, like, baby's first introduction to the thought of oppression. It's like, what if animals weren't really treated well in Hollywood. Yeah, but they're so talented and like people don't yeah, I think I don't know if worse, but the there's a scene with the bus driver who's like, "Can you believe these guys? Like they need to go back on the farm." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's some like gross stuff within the context of the film, but yeah, it's weird. It I can see if somebody doesn't like it. Yeah. And without giving away anything in spoilers, too, in the real world, you're not going to have consequences to those that have done the oppressing, you know, so. Yeah, the the main thing is that Darla gets some some comeuppance, but it's like the the studio execs and stuff were just as, like, not caring about animals. The only reason they turn anything around is because they think they can make money off of them now. Yeah, so it's, yeah. You know. Um, since we're already talking some in the spoiler section, let's go ahead and go to it with our spoiler alert. So, yeah, the end of the movie, after Darla, like, sabotages them or whatever, Danny is gonna leave on the bus, but then he has has a... Uh, an epiphany and gets off the bus and uh, and concocts a plan that we don't know what the plan's going to be exactly, but it's going to take place at Dar- the premiere of Darla Dimple's movie, um, which is the same one that they were filming on earlier. And uh, it almost doesn't, his plan almost doesn't even go into effect because Max is terrifying and uh, notices them and tries to get rid of him. Um, and, just the just the raw power of this man's hand like crashing through the ceiling multiple times and I, then he his whole body crashes and he's towering over he's just in yeah in that scene when he's busting up the lighting the like red yeah. and yellow coming from within the building it's so scary it's so cool like, yeah like okay. as a kid i'm like this is the most terrifying thing and now i'm like this is so cool <laughs> <laughs> um well, and I love because too what they ended up doing because I thought when it when the action started with that 
that that might end up being the solution. But there was a huge um, like parade balloon, like the huge ones you'd see at the Macy Day's uh, Macy Day Parade of Darla Dimple, and they're having this fight on it, uh, Danny and Max. And sure enough, like Max is on this balloon, and then and Danny, and gets, Danny off. gets off. So so then the the tethers holding the balloon. Max uh, starts like grabbing yeah. and pulling forward. And you're yes. like, oh no! And, yeah. and you're kind of like, you know, the geometry of this building that he's pulling this this balloon towards sure seems pretty pointy. Um, and, but then he gets close enough and he's going to grab Danny, but then Danny also realizes how pointy the building is. And so does Max who like freezes and then Danny like pulls it forward and it pops and by Max. Yeah. That was um, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And he this- has this little, like, what does the kitty say moment that he gets to have uh, a little bit of a come up. It's for Max or right before he lets him go. The uh the sound with the balloon is also really good. Like you you can hear them, Danny, like grabbing on. Yeah, like the, balloon. the foley work. Yes, yes. It, but it doesn't take away. Like ugh, just yeah, it's good. Again, really good. Uh, and then after that, oops, do you have, do you have no? I was gonna say there was a lot of quick action and kind of irony too, because then what they had, you know, Danny uses Darla's fame against her by basically saying, you know, this was her idea and we're doing all this. Um, and, and she, of course, I love these quick cuts back and forth of her going, you know, uh, you know, manic and, and anger. And then as soon as the lights get back on her, she's like, her oh, having sweet, that so little sweet. sweetheart, oh, you know, cause she's supposed to love all animals and children. Ah. I, um, I, I like what she's like squeezing the, the toy bear or whatever. And it's head like pops off and she's like, oh crap. But she like puts it behind her, her back. Yes. And then everything she does to try to hurt them and sabotage them. Yeah, they start the the Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now number, and they're, like, singing and dancing. But it's like a cartoon short, basically, with, in the background, she's just, like constantly destroying herself by ac- on accident while trying to sabotage them. Yeah, like she's flipping these different switches and things, you know, to try to have things fall or harm them, but all it does is end up making these great special effects that looks like it's part of the show. And also and so, sometimes hurting her a yeah, lot. <laughs> yeah, so everything that like, oh, I love where she's like throwing these um, like light bulbs or, yeah, yeah. or like things. Colorful but, lights. But, but it ends up looking like, you know, yeah, just like splashes of, you know, light or whatever. But yeah, so it ends up just being almost like this firework show and, and blast and things. And it looks fantastic. And yeah, it just it's enhances. Her, in, in her hubris and desire to, to destroy them, she inadvertently gives them a really great show. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the there's uh, posters at the end, like showing how successful <laughs> they are in Hollywood after that. And I love the things it's they different, chose. It's different spoofs of a whole bunch of different movies. Yes. But amusingly to me, the movies like are movies that were made decades apart. Yes. Like you have like more contemporary. You have like Casablanca, and then you have like the mask, n- the mask from the nineties. I'm like how old. I'm like those are so far apart. Twister, <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Singing yeah. in the rain. You have yeah. Yes. It's fun. It's fun though. Like they're they're fun little spoofs. Oh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just love this movie. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. so fun. And, well, and then where we had talked about some comeuppance, you see Darla kind of being, I don't know, like a janitor or something? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like she's a janitor at the end. Or put it, yeah, putting up She's a like putting up a poster that says the end and then it like falls on her. So, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a fun end. You get like a fun action thing with, with Max that's like the actual intimidation. And then you get Darla just like destroying herself like a looney tunes character she like she's the she's wiley e and the singers are the roadrunner basically like yeah they're like barely aware of her as she's doing this stuff but she's doing it so desperately it's just it's silly and fun oh and she also gives herself away at the end because when after she's done all these things she's screaming at them about you know that you know that she she tried to drown them or whatever and that she caused the flood basically which they had had been blamed on them yeah yeah. that they had been blamed for so then everyone heard that yeah yeah that's that's the uh, implied as like that's what makes everyone turn on her or whatever and then she like gets a trap door like then, then you don't see her again until the janitor thing. So. Yes, yes. Anything else with the spoilers? 
No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? So for me, remembering, and I I think it's still true, when Danny is leaving, that was always kind of the most disengaging part of the film. But then, rewatching it, I realized I didn't even remember the beginning part. So I'm going to go with the storybook beginning intro as like something that is as a thread, like doesn't carry. It's forgettable. I think I'll go ahead and jump on that too. This, this, uh, like you could basically just have him saying goodbye to his town and going on his thing. And like nothing would change without like not having the storybook thing. All it really does is just insinuate that something's wrong with Darla before we actually see it, which we don't really need. So. Yeah. You don't, they they do enough within the film to communicate that. Yeah. Of like, it's just unnecessary. All the treats that she has, like, yes, people, like, looking at themselves, like, or, like, whenever she starts to break, they're like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, the film takes care of it. You you don't really need that beginning part. No, not at all. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna agree. Because, yeah, that's the only thing that really I didn't need or I could have done without. Who? What was your favorite moment in the movie favorite scene now that's tough but maybe not that tough i think (laughs) it's tough but maybe not that tough. the ending performance is always good it is great yeah like whenever it was playing uh anticipating his little like uh, in the performance danny has little lines because he's extra like that and it's like Oh, yes, this one's coming up. Yeah, yeah. And then all of the characters get their own little uh, part of the song. In it's spoilers, that, that one? Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to go with uh, the lead up to the boat going through Hollywood. Um, the the part that's Darla and Max, like, making it rain and everything. Um, the, the music's really fun there. And the cuts between... Uh, them being extra and evil and the uh, producer guy or whatever. It's just a fun Max and Darla moment. And they're like, so good. So (laughs) (laughs) it's, I'm, I could, I could easily say a different scene though. I could easily be like, well, it's actually big and loud part two or whatever. I just, there's so much that's good in here or Max's scene where he first appears. I just love them (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just like a really concise film where like pretty much everything hits yeah for me it's just real hard for me to pick i think i'm gonna go with kind of kind of that snippet where max first comes in when danny oversteps his bounds in the number of the noah's ark and max comes in that wall and you know and and pounds poor danny and then leaves out that same you know that same opening who was your least favorite character in the movie? Okay, how... What, what char- Where does it cut off? The bus driver. Sure. We'll go with bus driver. You know, he's not the only racist or speciest person in the movie, but he's the one who says the quiet part out loud, and I don't want to hear it, man. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like they should go back to the farm. I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he says, but I'll jump on that bandwagon. I will agree. The yeah. bus driver. Throw him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite character? So many I like. Fish being one, I like. But like, you have to pick one. I know. Um... All right, I think I'm going to pick Sawyer. <laughs> she was my favorite character. She was amazing. And even to all of her expressions, the first opening when Danny kept inadvertently just... She's having such a bad time. Just sabotaging her, you know, har- almost harming, you know, harming her, you know, well... It wasn't, it was, I guess it was really the He harmed her when slammed he slammed the door. The door. No, she, and, he and slammed the door on her tail. Yeah, on her tail. So Danny did do that. Yeah, otherwise, just making and the her sc- And the scream that she had when that happened. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was dancing in the street in front of a fountain, and she's there <laughs> just trying to avoid him. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, if I go here, he's over there. Oh, he's coming this way. <laughs> But but no, I, I love that she's like God. Let me get to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she she does, but much uh, much she, wetter. She has, yeah, has a rough time with it. Uh, oh, and and for and for Sawyer, I, I didn't say, but like her, her I, I find her 
character design very interesting. I don't oh, know I what it is it. with her face. It's like very simple. I don't know. She's this is, just this is good. This is another movie to turn you into a furry. <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer's. <laughs> her fashion too. Like oh, her pants truly. outfit. Oh, goodness. Uh, but. Is she your favorite then? Or? No, no. I just wanted to say that because obviously your favorite should be Darla Dimple. <laughs> Because she is a perfect character. Darla, of course, Darla is my favorite. Darla is so good. Just like the she's too evil. The animation, the the, like the things that she does, how she has animated her mute, her voice, and her performance voice. It's all perfect. I want to give a shout out to her look in the scene that I was talking about where she like where she takes the glasses off and she's like just full like evil lady at that moment. She's so good. The She's... outfits they give her outside of the like pink tutu one. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is also really good. She's just so She's deliciously perfect. evil. I love her. And as a performance. What a queen. Like, it's so good. Her songs, big and loud. Be- is, uh, uh, speaking of, this movie was a musical. What was your least favorite song? I have, gosh, th- there are so many good ones, but I, wait, am I doing my oh, you least. least? Oh, okay. 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 Thank you. Cause I was about to say my favorite. Um, I guess I'll, I'll do, um, Danny's departure song. I forgot what that. Arrival song. Arrival song. Literally the opposite. Sorry. He's departing Kokomo. <laughs> no, he's already, our time is come plays while he's departing. He's, he's arrived. He's departing the bus. Oh my God. <laughs> So Danny's arrival song. Pretty sure he's fully out of the bus before he starts singing too. <laughs> he's departing his old oh life. Oh my god! <laughs> Coming to his new life. Yeah, got it. Um. Okay. All of the songs. I like. I know. I've seen. I've seen this film a lot. They're all good. It kind of varies between what I would have to pick as my least. I'll, I'll go. This I don't think this is my least favorite, but I will say that um, I don't know. I guess "Tell Me Lies" that whole scene and all of it has uh, I, I've said been the most disengaging of the film. But <laughs> not that she's bad. She's amazing. She's so good. But and so is the song. <laughs> but I will this time. I will say that. Uh, it's Little Boat on the Sea with the, like, little animal, like, with the the barks and stuff. I, I don't know. I'll it's go with so that. It's so iconic. That's... You're so wrong for this. <laughs> I'll go with that this time. Uh, I'll go with Animal Jam Session. It's, it's cute, but there's, I like the singing, and there's not a lot of singing in it. It's mostly instrumental. Mm. So I'll, I'll go with that. What was your favorite song? So my top three songs, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad number this. number three is uh, "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now." The kind of finale number. It's it's so good. It's great. Um, I sing along with it every time. Uh, number two is "Big and Loud." Um, it's so amazing, and she does such a great performance. And um, on a different day, I might say that it's my number one. Cause that's how close it is. And then number one is "Our Time Has Come." Uh, it's just such an absolute bop. I will put it on loud in the car and like just jam along to it, like singing loud. It's just, uh, it fills me with an energy. (laughs) And so that's why I have to choose as my number one right now, but it's so close with big and loud. And then nothing's going to stop us now is real close behind it. Like they're just, uh, they're great. And I also love uh, basically all the other songs in here too. So the only one I don't care for is the credit song that half pe- the people won't even hear because yeah. it's like halfway through the credits. Yeah, they fully just play Our Time Has Come, which they should. That's the correct yeah, choice. Yeah. And then and they then, play no, this. And they have Our Time Has Come and then they have like some jazzy instrumental and then they play. <laughs> and then they play this song. And then they do I Do Believe, which is like, it's perfectly fine, but it's like a 90s like pop kind of R&B song. Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty typical for the time, and it's perfectly fine, but it just is kind of at odds with the stylings of the rest of the movie. Right. I just don't really care that much for it. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to count that one, because half most people won't even notice it, so. Yeah, I think your top three... Are the correct ones? Uh, Whether the order is correct or not? Yes. 
to both. But I, yeah, I I think you're. I think I'll even go with your order as well. Nothing's gonna stop us now, uh, big and loud, and our time has come. I think so. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. Except I think that big and loud edges up to the top choice for me. That's super valid. Also okay. It's it's super valid. You haven't jammed for five minutes to the full (laughs) our time has come in the car. So like, I get it. You know, that's its own experience. You got got by the bombast of big and loud as you should. As you should. Um, But all the songs are great. Yeah. If Tim Curry were in here, who should he be? Oh, Tim Curry would be so good in this. I love you, Tim Curry. I love you, Tim Curry. Um, Just, I'm just thinking of, well, I wouldn't want to replace Max's voice, but I just mean I wish I wish he could Tim Kirk could do a number with he Darla. He doesn't talk a lot. I know. No, oh, I well, mean, it's I mean, not like where... I don't think they would have had Max sing with her anyway. No, I know, so. I know, I know. I just mean, but those his incredible, powerful voice or hers or something where uh, they're playing. Off I think of, of Wooly, um, but like John Reese Davies is already an iconic actor. He's very good. Like we don't really. Hmm. And Cranston Goat doesn't really talk enough, and kind of is, he's supposed to have like an old man voice. So. I mean, what oh, he... oh, he could be uh, LB Mammoth. That's what I was going to The head oh, of Mammoth yeah. Pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he'd get some good lines there too, and he could, deli- he could deliver that bombast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They had a fun character thing with him where like he could just literally stop. Yeah. Stop the world. And he's like, he puts his hand up, everything stops. And then he like okay, yeah yeah. You know. yeah 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 George Kennedy did a great job but yeah if you were gonna slot uh, Tim Curry in here I think that'd be a good one yeah I agree let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it think it's safe to say we all recommend yes I think I'll go first because I don't have as much nostalgia attached I think I'm gonna I definitely would recommend and I think I'm gonna go with a solid four um and and the only reason that I I guess I'm not going even higher is because I don't have as much nostalgia but as a first-time viewer of this um the songs were so great the animation was amazing and the characters were really strong and enjoyable so yeah so yeah definitely recommend uh, love this film. I think my niece watched it a ton because we owned it. So she would come over and that's the movie that she would want to put on. Cause it's good. It's Your niece great. has good taste. Yes. I will give it, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a 4.75. I could watch this film anytime, any day, anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great movie. Agreed. I'm going to go 4.75. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, it's almost like I could I could have it be a little bit longer, and maybe that would make it perfect. I want more. I, I don't know. I I don't feel like I can quite give it that five, but it's it's up there. It's so good, and I just really wish that it had done well and had a bigger impact on the animation medium because yeah, the Disney style is amazing, um, and and obvi- and more malleable than it's sometimes given credit for, but like. It is still, like, so influential at Disney and Pixar uh, that that's what most things are. And I just, I wish that Cats Don't Dance could have been, like, the Spider-Verse of the late 90s and, like, influenced a wave of other things that that didn't quite copy it but were more willing to do their own thing. Yeah. You know, I just, I wish that it happened. It hadn't. Uh, it didn't, unfortunately. But I love what this movie is putting out. Um, and the soundtrack is a banger. So. Yes. Yeah, I think the the weaker thing, like, one of the weaker things is, is the beginning. And if you just took that out, that would be fine. Like, this movie is strong as a, as a whole package. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And please join me any Wednesday um, on Twitch, Nana Critter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. And I am playing Final Fantasy IX. And not only am I doing voices, two wonderful ladies who are here that helped me in the chat. We were super friendly. And you guys, not only do I do my voices, but I get very emotionally involved. So this is my first playthrough. And you will even hear my voice crack. And I will get into my characters. And I will even cry and be shocked. So I have fun reactions. So come join us on Nana Critter Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And next time we will be watching a movie whose um, roots in terms of what it's based on go back to some of the earliest animation that we've ever watched. Um, mm-hmm. And that has some really fascinating production stuff behind the scenes in terms of who 
almost worked on it, who did work on it. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating one. We'll see if it's an actually enjoyable movie to watch. So join us next time. Yeah. Bye. 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 Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279-0566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Have a little drink. <laughs> this is noise time. This is noise time. <laughs> mom, hey, mom, this is noise time. If you could, you make some noise. Make some noise. Make yeah. Some noise. Okay. Uh, I think maybe is it Sanji? Am I saying that right? No, no, no I messed that up. That's a One Piece character. Oh god. That's the cook CD from One Piece. Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay, okay. Wait, what is what is her name? The cat Sawyer. Sawyer. Okay. Wow. <laughs> like, is it this Japanese name? The Naruto. Did I get it right? <laughs> Goku. You, is that her name? You know that this is going to be at the end of the episode, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah.